Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of How to Wow, starring Kat Dealey, and brought to you by MS Plant Kitchen. MS Plant Kitchen launched in 2019 when their first vegan friendly range took the meat free world by storm. Exactly. And now, my friends, there are 100 Plant Kitchen products to choose from, which is excellent news for my family. As back in March, my wife, Tequila Tash, and I decided to go all-in plant-based. We were in Los Angeles running our very own made-up marathon as we were due to run the Tokyo Marathon, which was cancelled due to, well, you know what. But we'd done the training, I'd booked the time off work, and we had arranged, we had arranged extensive international childcare. You see, the thing is, eating plant-based in California has traditionally been much more of a thing than here in the UK. But that's all changing, and changing at a pace. Da-da-da! Introducing the M&S Plant Kitchen. No chicken nuggets. They look like chicken. They smell like chicken. They're finger-licking like chicken, and they taste like chicken. At least as far as I can remember. It's been a while. But hey, don't take my word for it. Cut to my second eldest son, Eli, in the Evans Plant Kitchen. Eli, what's going on with the no chicken nuggets? Oh, they look like chicken, they smell like chicken, and they taste like chicken. Oh, they must be chicken. Oh, no, they're not chicken. Told you. And he's had actual chicken a lot more recently than me. But that story's for another day. Sticking with the no chuck chuck chicken now, there's also the delicious, and I mean mouth-meltingly delicious No Chicken Kiev. M&S Plant Kitchen's most successful vegan launch ever, with one being sold every four minutes. There's probably one outside your window right now. Take a look. Largely because of their indulgent garlic filling waiting to explode in your mouth underneath that coating of crunchy golden breadcrumbs. I want one now. And then there's the kiddies' favourite Plant Kitchen cauliflower popcorn, which we paid our kids in to do this. Plant Kitchen! I think it could be a hit. Other scrummy treats include PK posh hot dogs, PK green Thai curry, and the to die for PK coleslaw salad, the first ever vegan coleslaw to hit supermarket shelves in the UK. Wow! Talking of wow, it's time now to How to Wow. Thank you, MS Plant Kitchen, for helping make this show happen. Cat is back. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Just when you thought it was safe to go out. Not anymore. <laughs> oh, dear. All I can think of is, have you ever watched CBBS? You must have watched CBBS. Okay, right. Remember Andy, the dinosaur guy? He has this rap about a saber-toothed cat. I'm a cool cat. I'm a saber-toothed cat. That's, that's all that's going around in my head right now, because that's what we watch every day. That's the trail right there. <laughs> <laughs> or my theme tune. We could go with either one of those. Fine by me. Uh, so Kat initially uh, came back on the radar because she's back in the UK. She's she's relocated back here uh, with her family. And uh, The Joy in You is her kids' book, and she came on the radio show to talk about that. Now, you could go... And, well, you could try and buy this in the UK, but you'd have to, like, go on to, uh, to eBay or an auction site because they've all sold out. And I said, how's it in? You said, well, they've all sold out in the UK. So... It couldn't have done any better because you can't get one anymore. Well, yes, but we are we are shipping more as we speak. Right. So we're shipping more as we speak. But yeah, so it's done really well in the UK, and then we've kind of gradually released it um, around the rest of the world because the dance show that that I was doing in the states goes 
globally. So we're doing America, Australia, uh, South Africa, India. Yeah, it's a lot of duh. It's a lot of dirt, absolutely. <laughs> a, a lot of something else, hopefully, um, but a lot of joy. A lot of joy being yeah. spread with the joy in you. So, so tell us about uh, how much did you write the book for other people's children, your children, and your sanity? <laughs> well, it was a combination of all three. In all honesty, the the biggest part of writing the book was. Um, I've got Milo, who's four, and James, who's two, and it was to be like, well, what do I want to say to them? What, when when I'm feeling my most eloquent and when I can string a sentence together, which is never at bedtime, because by that point, I'm completely, I'm done for, essentially, for the rest of the day. I put my pyjamas in and sometimes I'll be reading a bedtime story and then we have a snuggle afterwards and then Paddy will wake me up and go, you're asleep. And it's a bit, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm, I'm awake, I'm awake. So I'm not very, I'm not very compassmentous at night. So what I wanted to do was write a book that said everything that I want to say and also gave them like um, just a, just a, a nice feeling to go to sleep with at night, essentially. You know, they're, they're four and two, so I want them to go to bed feeling confident and comfortable and loved and as though anything is possible um, because I think that's how they should get... They can learn about the real world when they're a bit older, but I think right then that's that's kind of what it was looking at doing, really. You know, but there are lots of tapes now and uh, things you can download uh, for, for grown-ups to go to bed and to sleep with similar kind of thoughts in their head. Yeah. Uh, well, I've tried one. I've tried one sometimes. <laughs> if I've got up with one of the kids and I can't get back to sleep... Paddy has to um, try and sleep with Matthew McConaughey telling me a bedtime story. Uh, not the real, I don't get him yeah. into the, into the bedroom, but it's it's like a calm app and he tells this story and you know how he's got that, that kind of southern lilt? It's a, it's a Texan lilt like no other. It's so good. It's so cool. And so he just tells this story and most of the time I get about two thirds of the way through and that's that's me finished yeah, because it's about stopping your own looping thoughts because you know yeah. you've suffered from insomnia forever haven't you yeah really long time you, and do, when did it come on your radar that this was a problem I have, I've always struggled with it in fact any time when the boys are up at night my mother goes ah see came back to haunt you that did because I was a terrible sleeper even as a even as a child um and it and it starts off and I start thinking about things that I've got to do and, and I, like my to-do list in my head and it all starts off great. And then it just dissolves into this abyss of, I tend to call it the, the PG tips, chimps party, just yeah. inane chatter mm -hmm. that doesn't mean anything, doesn't kind of get you anywhere, doesn't sort anything out. But you, you're, then, you're then concentrating in a way where you just, then can't go to sleep because they call that the monkey mind you know about all this yeah don't you? monkey mind that's that's exactly what i call it monkey mind it's just uh, inane chatter and so one of the theories to do with that is um there's a great book called the chimp paradox which you may have read or, uh, uh, okay it's a no. great it's a fantastic book by dr steve peters mm -hmm. who's this sports psychologist and all-round genius and he says that if your chimp gets busy and mm -hmm. um, then what it's really doing is crying out for a job so mm -hmm. if you give it a job mm -hmm. then it will can't go quiet on you but you know if you if you don't get it to work for you it will get you working for it. So how do you give it, what, what job do you give it? 
Well, you can give it any job. So you give it a menial task. A to-do list is not a bad thing, actually. Yeah. Uh, but but then you leave it with the chimp, not with yourself. It's so funny. Um, and it's one of the things... So you, you listen to a Matthew McConaughey uh, a story or whatever. Yeah. Or, or, you know, I listen to people with really soothing voices doing meditation classes, and it sounds all woo-woo. But all it does is it gets you listening to that voice their voice instead of the chimp's voice. And I'll take Matthew McConaughey over a chimp any day of the week, <laughs> as I'm sure you would. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I've even done it because I do yoga too. I, I really enjoy yoga. It's something that actually that, that does calm my brain because you're kind of in your physical body and you're concentrating on your breathing as well. So it takes you to another place. Mm. I'm rubbish at it. And I've been I've probably been doing it for about 20 years and I'm still only as flexible as the average person. Yeah. But I'm by no means Madonna, but I really enjoy it and it and it works for me, you know. I, I really enjoy it. So I have tried that before, the breathing exercises and, and things like that. And sometimes that helps if you kind of count your breath in and count your breath out. Yeah. Exactly the same. It gives the chimp something to concentrate on. Counting. Yeah, but I mean, you, you, you lived in the home of woo-woo. And by the way... <laughs> Applied woo woo, which I love, Los Angeles forever, um, and we'll get we'll talk to talk about that in a moment, more about that in a moment or two. But but did you not did you not go and see people to help you out with this because they have they they have like the best in the world out there? No, I actually didn't. I should have done. Probably I should have really that's paid attention. That's the brummy in you, isn't it? it totally. <laughs> so if I well yeah, if I told my mum, she'd be, she'd go, you you joking, are you? Yeah. I mean, you're mad. You, you paid them how much for you, what? You're going mad, you am. You are. Uh, but yeah, she'd be a bit like that. Yeah. So, so, but, but I did have, I did have a yoga teacher, and I did try a bit of meditation, and I do like a green juice, and <laughs> I liked hiking. Uh, at one point, I had a horse that I used to they used to gallop in the hills. So I, so I did go. I went partially. LA. Yeah, it's it's fun of that the the whole sleeping thing though because you know the, yoga as well. You know when you start doing yoga, you think you do yoga is something you do uh, and breathing something you you do to help you to get to yoga. So in the exhales is inhale exhale. You know deepen the stretch or whatever it may be. You know uh, um, focus more on the posture again. Inhale exhale. You know let, let's make it even stronger. Let's get really deep into it but then my wife is amazing yoga and i bet you're mars better than you say you are I, yeah, yeah i bet you are Not i very. bet you are Kadili. and my wife has got to the point where she realizes that actually yoga is you go to to yoga to breathe yeah. and then you do everything else around the breathing and it's the apparently it, there's a point a tipping point you may have sniffed it i certainly haven't uh -huh. where where the, w what begins is the most difficult bit the postures they become secondary to the breathing yeah yeah. And and what you have to do is you kind of you need to learn from a really good teacher because then you get your placement exactly right. So then you can take any class and you don't have to you, if you've got 20 people in a class, a teacher can't be on you all the time. But if you've got your placement absolutely correct, you're better to kind of go back in the posture than try and go too far in it. And set, get your alignment absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. breathe into it. Don't, yeah. don't force your body into mm -mm. it. So much to talk to you about. So much to talk to you about. Oh, my God. Uh, just tell me when you're fed up because I will keep asking questions. That's all right. Um, like until it. Milo and, and James are no longer at school. <laughs> Seriously. Where's mum? She's still doing that interview with Chris Evans. Yeah, but she's missed my graduation. Uh, she's missed my first drink at the pub with my dad. Uh, well, apparently they're getting on really well in the interview. So... Um, 
SMTV. Uh-huh. It couldn't have been any bigger. Absolute smash hit. Before we go back to how it started, mm. you're back with the boys. I've seen pictures of you back with the boys. Thank What's you. going on with you and Anton Deck? Yeah, so so we'd, we'd, always, we'd always mentioned it and we didn't know quite how we were going to do something. And then... And then they said, listen, we're doing this documentary. Will you come and, and be a part of it? And I said, absolutely. So we went down to LWT, which is now completely derelict, essentially. Um, and they rebuilt the set in the actual studio where we used to shoot the show. Um, and we went and it was ever so strange. It was ever so strange because... There were moments where, we, where I'd go up the steps to where you'd go in and then you'd go to the canteen and get your bacon sandwich in the morning and, and it smelt the same and it felt the same and you were, you, you were really reliving it. And then there were other moments where, obviously, because of the situation with COVID and everything, we couldn't get all the whole crew back. And so it was very quiet in the studio too. So it was, it, it was weird. There was weird moments where sometimes it felt exactly the same and sometimes it felt completely different. Um, but we all sat down together and we sat down on the couch and they kept playing us clips and we'd talk about, we'd talk about things that went right, things that went wrong, things that we loved. Um, and then they'd play in the clips so we'd be able to see them but it was so interesting because that it there was no um, there was no moment where it was like oh do I talk now or am I the chemistry was exactly there exactly as it was and we just sat there and had a great time and we but we laughed we cried like and everything in between essentially. So how long is the is the end product of this show? Well, they, they, I think it was supposedly supposed to be an hour, but everybody's talking about maybe making it longer because um, it was so, we got so much to talk about. Essentially, I don't, I don't think everybody realised quite how much we, all the stories we got. So, and then the, and then we've got talking heads on as well who came on the show and all that kind of stuff too. So, yeah, and and, and even people who are famous now that watch the show as kids like they're up i don't know it's going to be great so and then what we were going to do was we were going to then do a show an actual smtv with like a chums and a and all things like that uh so if you wanted to reprieve your role you could but you've got to learn your lines this time yeah i know well, i'll probably go to bed the night before that might help that was so funny but an hour so you talk about an hour so so obviously if if you know, with the right with the right host, you could do it yourselves, of course. Um, just hearing you and Anton Deck talk about those days could take an hour, and then you get the talking heads, the inserts, the memories from people who were on or people who are inspired by it. That could be another hour. Then you get the clips as well. You know, honestly, um, you know, and I'm prone to hyperbole. It's got to be said, but there's a three-hour <laughs> show there for me. There's a big, there's a big fat three hours ITV show there, seven till ten or nine till midnight on a Saturday night. And who's not going to watch that? Please, please, God, please, ITV, don't make it two hours. Make it three hours. It'd be unbelievable. I think, you know what, and I think the big thing is because of the situation we currently all find ourselves in, I think people quite want that. You know, they they want to sit with their family in their pyjamas and, and laugh and reminisce and have a great time. So... Yeah, I think I think there is a moment for it, but we, but but listen, in the most selfish way possible, we just had a lovely time too, you, as you always did. And so, when might this go on the air? This, this... I think it's going to go out uh, at the very end of the year, sometime. We don't exactly know when oh. yet, but right at the end of the year. So. so I'm so excited about it, so I can I just want to watch it. It's going to be brilliant. <laughs>
that's good. I mean, when we brought TFI back on Channel 4 a couple of years ago, yeah. you know, we got we got double the amount of viewers with this sort of comeback tribute show, whatever you want to call it, yeah. than we ever got back in the day. We got like 4.2 million viewers. It was wow. on Channel 4. It was, wow. un- it was unbelievable. Everybody loved it. And Channel 4 did this thing at the time. Jay Hunt was in charge at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we did what we did was we did a live retrospective, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, so, so it was similar to what you're doing, but we did it live mm-hmm. in, in the old sort of TFI style. And then Jay Hunt, I phoned her up in the afternoon on the Friday we were going to broadcast the show live, the, the, the sort of the, the anniversary show, call it whatever you like, mm-hmm. the celebration. Mm-hmm. And I said, Jay, and she said, yeah, how's it going? I said, I think it's going really well, but I'm, I'm not sure. One never knows about these things. We've all been wrong in the past. Uh-huh. And we've also ended up right when we didn't think we were going to be right ever. Yes, yep, yep. And uh, I, said, I said, but I think we're over. Because um, I think we scheduled 90 minutes for it. She said, just go as long as you like. <gasps> you did not. You got, you got, oh my goodness. Never it's happened. like the I'm celestial saying. angel singing. Oh, yeah. and the clouds parting and you can just go, did you really? Yeah, and so we went for two hours, 20. Um, and we could have gone on forever. Um, but, and it, and it worked. So, so, but I'm only referencing that because I'm, I'm so excited about, you know, because you, you were on for, I think you did more shows than we did. We did like, I think we did close to 200 shows. How many would you have done? On oh, SMTV? my goodness. Well, we did 52 shows a year for, for six years, yeah. I think, or something like that. It was a long time because yeah. we'd even, we would even pre record a Christmas show. You know, we, we'd only have one pre record in the can. And that was always our time. I don't know about you, where um, you'd try things and sometimes they'd work and sometimes they'd be absolutely rubbish and they would fall completely flat and they'd never see the light of day again. <laughs> um, and then other times they would they would hit a nerve yeah. and it was almost like this wasn't supposed... For instance, The Beautiful Cause was one of those that we did where it was literally like, listen, we need to knock out this pre-record as quickly as we can in the afternoon after we've done a live show. So we're going to stick you all in black wigs and put loads of lip gloss on you and you're going to all, like, really pout and do that. And, and we're going to do The Beautiful Cause and we're so beautiful. We're too beautiful. And we did it. And everybody laughed. It was only... I remember it was only a page and a half of script and it and the the thing was there was that 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 um Jim was there, but he was only allowed to sit with them with a bag on his head because he wasn't as beautiful as they were. Mm. And so <laughs> and it was just nothing. It didn't really go anywhere. Occasionally we'd sing a song, occasionally it didn't go anywhere, but it was really funny. And and you know when you know something's hit and it's resonated with people when um they actually came on. Because they've all got a brilliant sense of humor. All those girls and Jim are, are such nice girls. And uh, on one of the last ones, they came on. And uh, they came on and they pretended to be really offended. And they were like, what do you think you're doing? Do you know how hurtful this is? This... And so we just all took our wigs off. And we're like, sorry, Andrea. I'm sorry. Sorry, so- sorry Caroline. Sorry, Sharon. Sorry, sorry about that. Sorry. And we went off and then they they did themselves as the beautiful chorus. And um, Jim actually did put a paper bag on his head, lifted it off, and then they told him to put it back on again because he wasn't beautiful enough. Everybody wins. That is, is that, that's got to make the cut, hasn't it? I mean, that's, yeah. Oh, that's it. But that's so Morecambe and Wise, isn't it? You know, they take the mickey out of someone weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And then guess who comes from behind the curtains? And that, and it's it's gang. But if you can make it happen. Look, it makes me I, go me funny too, even I've now. Got, I've got as well. It, it makes me. Such a great idea. Yeah. It, but it was, it was completely throwaway. It wasn't, suppo- it wasn't going anywhere. It didn't do anything. 
but because they were so brilliant mm. and so iconic and incredibly beautiful too it just made it so brilliant and they obviously had a, a great sense of humor about it so um so smtv ended up flying yeah but, you know as many shows that we've both been involved in rocky roads is where lots of shows uh, start yeah so how did you get the job on smtv first of all so uh, there was a guy who was uh, in charge of Top of the Pops, Rick Blacksell. Yeah. Um, and he figured out that if we did the first two hours that were a kid's show with cartoons and content and things like that, then the third hour we could turn into a music show. And his brilliant idea was because everybody consumed TV different to how we do now and there, there wasn't really social media and people still went to record stores and bought actual records. So he'd worked out that if we had bands on on a Saturday, we could get every single band to come on because they could directly influence the chart, the record buyers that went out Saturday afternoon to go to to affect the chart on a Sunday rather than top of the pops which reflected the chart we could directly influence the chart and so therefore bands would want to come on they'd want to do interview it was really it was really clever because yeah. they what they'd watch the TV show and then kids would go off to tower records in the afternoon and, and go and buy the records so that was so he'd spotted me on MTV. I was doing MTV at the time, and that was very obviously music led. And uh, MTV UK had broken away from the rest of Europe, so they'd identified the fact that they wanted to host to um, had regional accents and came from the UK rather than somebody from South Africa or something like that, where people couldn't identify with them. Uh, so I'd been doing MTV and so he'd spotted me on MTV and said, would you be interested in doing this show? And I, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. I thought I was a bit cool for school and I was a bit like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know if I want to do a kid's, I don't know if I want to do a kid's show. And, uh, and he was like, no, no, but it's the music show and you'll be, and you'll, you know, you'll run the music show and it'll be great. I said, mm, I don't know. Anyway. Jamie Hewlett, you know, the guy who does the um, illustrations for the gorillas, he'd done the, the, the artwork. He actually did loads of the artwork in the studio, but he'd also done the artwork on the proposal too. And weirdly, on the proposal, it almost looks like me. And I'm holding a picture of Ant and I'm holding a picture of Deck. And he's like, you've got to do it. Look, this is a sign. This is a sign. He's drawn this. I was like, okay, okay. And so that was... I was then introduced to them uh, and also Connor McAnally, who was doing the show too at the time. He was a producer and that and that was how it happened. And then I kind of knew, I kind of knew some other people that Anton Deck knew as well, like their record plugger and all that. And then they told me a story where Deck had been slightly badly behaved in a restaurant one night and um, been quite cheeky to a couple who were next to them at this Chinese restaurant in Chiswick. And they said, listen, you should, when you go and meet the lads, you should, you should tell the story. And I was like, no, I can't do that. That's too, that's like balls of steel. I can't do that. There's no way, there's no way. And, it, and they said, um, no, no, we'll never know. We'll never remember. Don't worry. Go for it. Go for it. And then I met them. I met them on, uh, at the hotel at Langham Place. And they came in and we started having a chat and they were really lovely straight away. And we carried on talking. We were laughing. We were really laughing. 
And we carried on talking and then I thought, you know what? I'm 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 gonna do it. <laughs> and I said, actually, Deck, we have met before. You were actually really rude to my boyfriend in, in that the, the Chinese restaurant in Chiswick. You were actually rude. You were offensive. I'd always thought you were a really nice guy, but you were and he literally put his head in his hands like this. And Ant was like, oh, oh. And, and then and then I just let I let it go probably about 10 seconds and they said no 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 I didn't really I didn't and then they just laughed and laughed and laughed and then I got in the cab to come home and um they called me and said right we were supposed to see other girls but we're going to do a chemistry test with you that's it chemistry test yeah. okay interesting and very important as well yeah but uh, uh, and to be honest so on this documentary they said um We've got you. We've got your old chemistry test. It was on the set of this morning, and I said, "Listen, I don't mind you. Show, doesn't bother me whether you show it or not." I said, "But I don't remember anything about it wow. apart from the apart from the old set." I'm like, "So I, if you want me to like pontificate, I've got no idea. I don't remember it." Anyway, they show it when we're sitting there on the couch. It is so funny. I've got like a little dark bob and I'm uh, talking in like, you know, presenter speak, almost like we've got a fresh and funky show. You know how it's like, check it out. And no one actually says check it out in real life. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, and so I'm talking all a bit like that, but I've got a really brummy accent and I'm a bit breathy. I'm obviously a bit nervous. But I quite liked her though. I was like, oh, she's only little. She's really little. And then and then Ant had got a fringe. And then Deck had got this big, this big. I was in, I was a bit like camo pants and like a black vest, a bit all saints-ish. And then um <laughs> like the like like yeah, the budget version. And it. and and then um uh. and then Deck had got this brown shirt with this big white collar. But it was this, and we were we were sweet. We were rubbish, but we were sweet. Well, not for long, because um, I remember uh, Conor McAnally, who he remains um, a legendary producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was in charge of the show before CD UK, mm-hmm. and Rick was in charge of everything. Was he? He was in charge of CD UK, more of the music side right. of everything. Because Rick was Rick was a legend at Radio One as well as uh, Top of the Pop. Totally. Um, Mick Hucknall's long lost twin brother, of course. <laughs> We're, sorry, bit of an in joke there, but there'll be a couple of people listening who'll get exactly what I mean, and you can't disagree with me. By the way, Rick, if you're listening, um, big love to you guys. Absolutely, um, smasher. And, and so, so uh, it took a while to find its feet, mm. and um, it was there's a guy at um, ITV who just stuck with it. Yes, Nigel Picard. Yeah, bless tell us about him. him. So he was a guy. He was in charge of uh, children's at ITV. And we were really bad. I mean, we discuss it all in the documentary, but it was essentially, we hadn't really come up with what we were going to do with the first two hours. We all knew that we were aiming towards CDUK, yeah. but but we hadn't, we, we didn't know what SMTV was really. Um, and so uh, we, 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 it just, they got no content. There wasn't really anything going on there. And, and also Anton Deck had never hosted before. No. And we were, we weren't great together. Um, we just didn't have any content essentially. And so, but we kept going and we were doing so badly. I mean, we weren't even looking at rate. We'd started looking at ratings and then it was just like, let's, we've, it's so bad. We were doing so awfully because of course you got Zoe and Jamie on the other side and they were a team and it was going great guns. And so, um, 
he just used to say, you know what? I don't know what it is, but I think these kids might have something. We're being beaten anyway. We don't have anything else to put there. So let's, should we just let them carry on for a bit longer? But I think they might have something. Don't know what it is, but they've got something. And so he just let us keep going and keep going and kind of learn from our mistakes, work out that the audience needed more content, work out that the, um, you know, the content that was on the show that we were buying in, things like Sabrina and Cow and Chicken, the audience were I'd Pokemon, the audience were crazy about. So if we could get some content that kind of supported that, they'd watch that as well. Um and 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 that was Ant. I mean, that was Ant and Dec. They 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 said that when they went to do, they actually went to do pantomime when we were doing the show, and they realised that you needed to talk. We needed to talk to the audience more, essentially. Um, so so they just let us keep going and keep going, and we we gradually worked out what it was. But I mean, nowadays you would never get that chance. Oh, not in a million. You years. would you would be pulled off after three weeks. Oh, you know, absolutely, and you know, and you'd feel it as well. It would hurt. It uh, would you be know, awful. And ev- yeah. the noise nowadays is loud. You know, even if you're doing fantastic things, it's there's, there's so much noise. It's, life is so much noisier. Yes, fear, whatever it may be. Yeah, and so. Um, you know, you stayed on the air, and was there a tipping point? Did you, was there a was there a moment when when something happened, something changed? Because that was a gradual learning curve, very public learning curve. Yeah, uh, and and that's you know talking into an item, talking into Sabrina, talking out of Sabrina, mm. using the heat of the things that were working, very clever. Yeah, that's what we do on the radio all the time. You know, yep. so, well, so why we use records? So then you find your confidence, you find your own voice. Suddenly, yep. what you're doing, you know, from a vocal point of view, begins to sound like music. There aren't these, you know, and and it's it's when the Joins are less evident. So the jo- when you throwing to a cartoon, when the studio seems like a cartoon, yeah. you know. But w- was there a moment from a ratings point of view, from a, a review point of view, from um, you know a post production point of view? You had a meeting w- when because a lot of people listening to this now will never remember that it you know it really struggled at the beginning of SMTV. And you know I'm not focusing on this for any other reason other than the fact that this is how it works. You know, and it's a fantastic story. But people just remember. SMTV and CD UK as a smash hit. Oh no, it, it really wasn't. And I would, I well, it was in the end. Wasn't in it? the end, but it wasn't in the beginning. Yeah. So, so what happened? There, there wasn't really one specific moment. There wasn't a catalyst where we suddenly went, "Oh, this is now work." It was when we could start to book guests, and when and when people wanted to come on and and beyond CD UK. So we'd say. Okay, well, if you're on CDUK later, could you come in a little bit earlier and do a bit of this, or could you do a bit of that? And I remember Tom Jones coming on, and just being a bit like, "Blinking out, Tom Tom Jones is on Chums." I mean, he, he he didn't he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing there. I don't think he 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 couldn't read the idiot board. So then we gave him cards, and then he goes, "Well, that's no good. I haven't got my glasses." He was just making it up and we were just like moving him around, you know what I mean, and saying his lines. And then it was like Sting and Spice Girls. And then it just started to, it was a gradual thing. But we definitely, we were better because we'd started so badly and we'd learned from our mistakes. That's that's why I would would always be the first person to say we were awful to begin with. Absolutely awful. I know that you were awful, but I, obviously you're you're against the Rolls Royce of what's going on on BBC. A hundred percent. And he was working like a slick machine, yeah. you know. Yeah. And the, but that comes from from a long legacy of programmes before. By the way, n- taking nothing away from Jamie and Zoe, but that was you know no. 
the shows that you know the 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 lineage of shows there. So we started with Swap Shop, then you'd go to uh, Superstore, mm-hmm. then was, was going live next. I think yes, I think it was. was. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, and on and on and on. Yeah, um, and Tiz was, you know, Tiz was was your sort of grand old uncle. Um, yes, but Tiz wasn't happened so long ago. There was no momentum to pick up from, and you had to start again. Yeah. And by the way, Tiz was, I think, went through the same teething troubles as things could on the air yeah. back then. Yeah. But you get to the heady heights where. In Chums, which was this take on Friends, which was hilarious, um, where you get people like Tom Jones in the middle of it who just have to be there, really, because you all know what you're doing so well. And, you know, and by the way, that's the that's that's the playbook I I I sang from. Uh, I thought, well, I've seen this before. You don't really have to know your lines. It's okay to have been out there for the whole of the week beforehand. It's nobody's going to notice, and I don't think they did, to be honest, because you're all so good at what you do. But then Prince comes on. Uh, so tell us about your moment with Prince. Oh, he he wasn't in one of our sketches. He wasn't in one of our sketches, but he did do, and I'm sure you've got stories like this, actually. He he was coming on on the front. We'd, we'd rehearse all day Friday, and then uh, we did. I actually did a pre-record with him on a on a Friday night. He was coming in, and he was he was like one of my heroes when I was growing up. He was I got all the albums. I thought he was amazing. I just you know he was he's brilliant. He was a genius, and um, and uh, he was coming on the show, and I got to interview. I always interviewed everybody. Um, I think because it was easier than two lads interviewed, so I'd always interview everybody. And so he was coming on the show and he was late and then we were told by all his people, don't look at him, don't look him in the eye, don't do this, don't do the other. So, And, and I don't know if you've ever felt this, but I was, I was, ex- I was excited, yeah. but I wasn't... Ner- it was like adrenaline, right? Excited. But there's this weird thing that happens, whether you're, I think, on the radio or 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 in a TV studio, where everybody around you gets nervous, and then they keep asking you, "Are you all right? Are you all right?" And 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 you're like, "No, I'm I'm absolutely fine." It's like, but then it builds up and builds up, and there's like this nervousness going around the studio, and then normally somebody's late too then their people get heavily involved too and you're like that light's not okay this isn't okay don't look him in the eye don't talk to him unless he talks to you don't and so it was all reaching this ridiculous and then they said to me Phil Mount was producing at the time and he said to me listen you're going to have to ask him about his name he's got that weird squiggle and at that point everybody was doing jokes about Prince and the squiggle and yeah. the symbol and yeah. the, the, the the rabbit formerly known as the your dog formerly known as everybody was doing it and it was like you you've got to ask him you've got to ask him about it and I was like oh that's going to be quite difficult that's going to be a difficult anyway he came he came on and he sat down I wish you could see Cat's face at this point oh I know <laughs> don't even it kind of because you do go back there it's you're funny you're there now yeah, you're like, there now I can I, see you and I bet you have flipped things I've, like I've it so pretty... I, I want you to tell me your version I've of this story, after story well. oh do you yeah, yeah, okay so anyway he, he comes in and he sits down and I thought well I can either try and tiptoe around this interview and it's going to be ridiculous or I can just be me and essentially his biggest fan and come from a really nice place. Do you know what I mean? So I, so he sat down and when he sat down, he, I said, um, didn't um, anyone tell you you're not allowed to wear heels higher than me on this show? Because he got these cowboy, these python cowboy Cuban heels, cowboy boots on. 
And he just kind of looked at me over the top of his glasses and then he laughed. And I thought, oh, you're, you're going to be all right now. And we ended up having a great chat. And then I was like, then they told me, right, okay, time, you're going to have to wrap it up. And I hadn't mentioned the symbol thing. I was thinking, oh, my God. And I, I wanted him desperately to like me too. Do you know, in that, in that where I was literally like a 13-year-old fan. What's wrong with that? And so uh, uh, I said, uh, listen, I said, on a Friday, every night on a Friday, after I finish rehearsals, I call my mum in the cab home because I always call her because I'm using up the journey. And I call her and we always have a chat. And I said, I tell her about the day and I tell her what's going on and I tell her what's going to be on the show tomorrow. I said, and today I'm, I'm going to get in that car and I'm going to be so excited. I'm going to say, Mom, you'll never guess who I interviewed today. I interviewed, and he goes, a new friend. And I was like, yeah, because I, I asked the question <laughs> and I kind of got the answer I wanted. You did? And so that was, what's your print story? Oh, well, um... There's a couple. Go on. <laughs> to be honest. Hit me. Um, there was one when there was talk about him coming on TFI Friday. And by the way, what a great story that was. And also, um, this is how mad our jobs are sometimes, mm. right? Who winds anybody up when they've got the chance to interview Prince? <laughs> Just let them carry on. <laughs> You know, and what's happened there is an assistant producer got the brief from the producer going, we need about 10 minutes. So after 10 minutes, they, you know, his people probably weren't winding you up. It was, it was like, I bet it was your, one of your producers going, and by the way, no, this is no slight on them. They're just doing what they're told to do. Yeah. But think outside the box, it's Prince <laughs> no. on SMTV. I know. I know. And it was lovely. You're going to be here for a week and you're not Prince. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not letting you go you're ever. Not, you're not a squiggle, you're not a symbol. Nobody's not... winding me up today, Kadili. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just keep pushing sandwiches under it's the door. So funny, even when things are going amazingly on telly, on live telly, you go, if I was in the gallery, and I, I've been there a few times, I go, let it run. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but we've got we've got to go live to Blackpool in a minute for the what's whatever. Blackpool, Blackpool will be there tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. This is gold. <laughs> You know, but we've got a four-minute pre-record that we spent three hundred quid recording last Tuesday in the show. Rain. It next week. Yeah, never. Don't worry. I'll, I'll give you the money by myself. Let it run. How many moments have been lost? How many great moments have been lost like that? I'm it's, sure. And so are many. still being lost like that. I'm sure so many. And it, and to be honest, I always think that's the, the you know when you you know when you're hosting and you've got somebody in your ear, and of course you have to have somebody in your ear because you know you have to drive the ship. But it's so interesting how. Then they're a little bit delayed in the moment. You're having the moment with whoever the person is, whether that's, I don't know, a contestant or a dancer or a prince or whoever it is. You're having the moment, and you can you can feel it. And quite often, if someone steps in or they're feeding you questions or anything like that, they've missed they've missed the moment almost because they're watching it in a gallery. So it's all it's all. It's gone already. Yeah, well, they have it in aviation. And so so when you learn to fly, mm. what well, the one thing they teach you is, yes, you learn to fly. The, the, big, the thing you do most when you're learning to fly is you learn to crash as safely as possible. Mm -hmm. So you can fly the plane or whatever it is in 10 hours. Mm -hmm. And then you spend the next 40 hours trying to figure out what you do if something goes wrong. Yeah. And you have all these procedures in place in aviation, and which is why it's such a, an amazingly safe um, industry uh, and, um, and, and uh, se sector. But... The pilot is always told in the end, in the first instance, regardless of what all these procedures are that you learn and they become automatic, fly the plane. 
Yeah. Because you, you'll be somewhere you saying, well, my radar doesn't say there's anything up ahead and my altimeter doesn't say, yeah, but, but you can see a mountain. Yes, but none of this is saying that. Yeah. Fly the plane. And often, you know, in when I've been involved in gallery situations and I've learned this as much as I, I've hopefully um, enlightened other people about it, is mm. watch what's going on. Listen to what's going on. Okay, you've got your running order. You've got your timings. You know the air brakes coming in in a second. But what is going on? Is it gold? If it's gold, do what you can to push everything else back to allow it to continue. You know, and I think now terrestrial television... You know, it's it's fighting for its life. Mm. You know, because because the behemoth of Sky and you know all the different Sky channels and Netflix and Amazon mm -hmm. and Apple TV now. Yeah. You know, if if I if I was in charge of ITV or a bit of it, and it's only my it's only my opinion, but if I had Anton Deck live on a Saturday night mm -hmm. for Saturday Night Takeaway, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say if this finishes at eight. I would say it finishes whenever <laughs> they want it to finish, because what's coming next? By the way, anything with Stephen Mulhern. Fine, fill your boots. You know, and there are other good, sh good shows. There are other great shows on ITV that are either side of Anton Dick's Saturday Night Takeaway. But fine, it's got to have a start time. Yeah. You know, as a race has to have, uh, yeah. has to have a start time. Yeah. But, you know, this isn't 100 metres. It isn't the marathon. It's not 26.2 miles. Uh -huh. It's Anton Deck. Right. Yeah. Yep. You know, and they've, you know, they've been working all week anyway. Another ten minutes in real time. Yeah. You know, another ten minutes to the advertisers. Another ten minutes to the to the viewing figures. Mm -hmm. to another ten minutes of catch up forever. Mm -hmm. Why did you know? Mm -hmm. The new Saturday takeaway six thirty till eight or six thirty till. How about this in the Radio Times six thirty till whenever. <laughs> And, we'll, and what happens after that? Well, we'll get to that when we come to it. Because that's what they should do. Yeah. it's You know what? It's interesting when you talk about the um, comparison of flying. Because I, I actually do believe that a little bit. It's, you know, with us, it was, it was that thing of we had 52 weeks a year, three hours live every single week. Yeah. And so it is, it is a bit like flying a plane. Everything that could possibly have happened to us all has at some point happened, whether that's falling over, dropping a mic, being sick, getting my first migraine on TV, whatever it was, it's happened. Yeah. And it's only by doing it that you realise that the ground doesn't open up and swallow you and you're not going to disappear into oblivion. If you actually just pick yourself up, make a bit of a joke about it, dust yourself off and give a healthy dose of self-deprecation, the audience like oh. you even like you even more. So it, it it's that thing I think people are scared of life because it's the unknown. What if, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this whereas if it has happened to you, it's actually it's not that it's not that scary. You just and the audience love it. Yeah, and that with that healthy dose of self-deprecation, which takes some learning, it has to be said, because we we've all got our we've got we got the false ego, we've got the real ego, we've got the both of them together. Yeah. But if you once you learn to apply that, and you yourself and Anton Deck and SMTV, and they still do it, and I, I've not seen you on telly for ages, yeah. but I bet, I bet you that because that that's that's like magic. It's like it's like gold. It's like oh my god, if I make fun of myself, everybody likes me more. And I <laughs> yeah. thought they like me less. No, totally. You know, uh, and when you do that in a studio, everybody because this is a sharp intake of breath. <gasps> How are they going to react to this? And then you, you know, you do whatever you do, or you laugh it off. Scylla Black was amazing. I learned amazing. it from her, to be honest. She's she, she was the what dog. a great lady. She, she taught was as me well. to do that. She's a great lady. But when you, when you, um, when you, you choose to go left instead of right, and you choose to self-deprecate, or you choose to laugh at yourself, whatever, mm. the audience relax. But more importantly, the crew relax. Yeah, they do. They go ah. Yeah, we're, they do. We're gonna, we're gonna have fun here. So the per, so the perfect example last season on the show. 
um, there was a guy on the show who was five foot two, this this dancer, and he press jumped over this other dancer. So he put his put his hands on her shoulders, split did did the splits in the air and jumped over the top of her. He was only five foot two. And I went up afterwards and I was like, so, you know, oh my, that was amazing. That was absolutely incredible, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, do you think you could do it over me? Now, at this point, I've got a pair of four inch hips. So I'm six foot two at this point and I'm live on air and I've got a mic and I'm like, so I, <laughs> I assume the position and this guy lit I've not practiced it. I don't know. I don't know where my weight's supposed to be. I don't know if it's even physically possible. And he he runs at me, pushes down with all his with all his weight, pushes over my shot, splits. I fall over. Literally, I don't know what the front row saw, but they, but there was a lot of undergarments going on, so it was absolutely you know it's like those ones that are the big are really not nice ones, but they hold you in, and. But I still managed to hold my mic and I fell flat on the floor and it was it was a great moment. But it was like a sh- I got home and Paddy said to me, you do realise you could have broken your neck on live TV. You absolute moron. What were you thinking? I was like, I don't know. I just thought it'd be good. It was in the moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness me. We're still only on SMTV. So um, all the good things, all great things, all amazing things have to come to an end. Uh-huh. Uh, so thank you. God do all bad things, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. But you weren't in the end. Uh, you were having the time of your life. When did the first murmurings of the fact this might um, might be stopping soon uh, begin to surface? So it's st- it probably started, I think they, I think the boys did Idol first, I think, maybe. They did Idol and... Um, but it was quite good to keep both things going at the same time. Same as I kind of did record of the year and then I did stars and it it was quite good to keep both things going in case I'm Fame Academy, where, where I'm at Paddy on BBC One. Because it was, I was doing, so we'd do that live on a Friday night. So I'd go to rehearsals all day on a, I'd do rehearsals Thursday, then do rehearsals all day on a Friday at LWT, get on a bike Go over to Pinewood. By the way, this is a motorbike, not a push bike. So <laughs> I'd people, still be there. Because <laughs> no, people don't believe us. Some people say, that, what, there are taxi bikes? Yeah, sure there are. And they, they think, I've nearly got into fights because people think I'm taking the piss. No, no, there are things. They're called taxi bikes, but we call them bikes. Don't yeah, they? yeah. We used to do it all the time. And then I'd go over to Pinewood, host the live show there, host the results show there, get in the car, write my cards for CD UK, because we didn't have auto queue then. And then... Um, and then get picked up at 5am the next day. So both of us, Ant and Deck and me, we what we try and do is keep both things going because it was good in case one thing didn't work and it also drew an audience as well. Um, so they, they did Idol. Then they did um, a show called Slap Bang, which didn't, didn't really work. Yeah. And then they, again, they did the really smart thing, which they would tell you, where they... Uh, did you could win the adverts, and so again, it was like it is exactly the same as what you said before about you know you connect with the records, you connect trade with... off the heat. Where's exactly. where's the heat? Where, where can we borrow the heat from? Exactly, and then you become the heat, hopefully. Exactly, which they absolutely did. Um, 
and so then they they did that and it became a huge success and so you know that that was it and then my job was to kind of bring in the new presenters and then I moved to just doing CD UK um I mean, you were a big star then weren't you I mean you, you can't really say about yourself but you were massive then well, uh, I don't I don't know about that you but were. I but I loved but I loved doing I loved doing the music show that's kind of where I started and started with MTV and so I loved doing that. That was because you'd still get the fun and the buzz of it. Mm. And at that point, we could we could get anybody to do an interview, and it was great. Did you feel? Did you miss your mates? Of course, you did. Yeah. We, yeah. Oh, look at you there. Yeah, a lot. No, it, it well because it was just weird. It was just strange. It was just. It wasn't that I wasn't friends with everybody else who came on the show it was just because i think because we've been through all the rough stuff of course you have. and we've been really bad together yeah, and you that's always in you and other people forget that yeah. In yeah fact, they don't even want to hear about it most of the time you no. you know you don't you don't realize how hard it was you may never have said that by the way but it, it it was it is tough it's very very tough and the people that that got you through it and you helped them to get through it you never forget no Absolutely not. And and you instantaneously, and that's one of the things about, about the doc, is you instantly go back to that place where you were before. It's so interesting how... I can't wait. I cannot wait. Oh. Please, ITV, please. Three hours minimum. <laughs> minimum. Oh, my goodness me. So let's fast forward. So, yeah. you, so, so how did you get to America? How did that work? So uh, what happened was I, I then... I, I did, like... Uh, an audience, there was a guy called Jeff Thacker who was in charge of uh, music and entertainment at ITV and he would pop down every Friday and, and try and get me to do things for him, shows. I'd be like, no, it's not. I still was a bit like, I'm a bit tickled for school. <laughs> Idiot, complete imbecile. And I was like, I was like, he's like, well, would you like to do stars? Would you like to do stars? I was like, no, I don't. You've got to call it by its full title because people do this in telly a lot. Oh, stars in their eyes. Stars in their Sorry. eyes. All right. Sorry. Okay. And um, and uh, I said, no, I don't. I don't want it. He says, well, why don't we talk about what could make you want to do it? Like, what would need to change for you to do? And so we started talking. And so I ended up doing it, but I worked with him quite a lot. Anyway, then he went to, uh, uh, but we did, we did, uh, what else did we do? I did Fame Academy, Stars in Our Eyes, uh, an audience with the Brits. I did the one, the, the ones, um, with Hamish Hamilton. Did you work with Hamish? Yeah, I did. I did actually. He's good, isn't he? He's great. Yeah. This is, all these people are legends. He's a, he's a really cool. I remember they, they asked me to go in to, uh, to go and see him about the Brits. And they said, listen, we've got we've got um a show and we're gonna have lots of different presenters, Justin and and um Victoria Beckham and this one, and but we'd like you to do it as well and and kind of drive it. And I said, mm, I said, I I don't I don't think I wanna do that. And I, I said, because I remember watching it as a little girl and I'd always wanted to host it and and I, and I said, and also that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure to to. I'm okay if if I can make my own mistakes, but when other people make mistakes and you've got to try and and get yourself out of it, that's tricky because you you don't know when they've made a mistake or when they haven't or, 
you must have done that. Yeah. You know, working with guest hosts. And the, the, but the Brits is weird anyway, isn't it? Because it's neither it's neither fish nor fowl. It's well, not, it's not a live event and it's not a telly show. No, so, and everything's on a long lens. Yeah. You know, am I talking to the room or am I talking to the people at yeah. home? Yeah. So th- so that was our, so I said, oh no. Anyway, they I think they must have had trouble booking it. So they came back to me and said, do you want to do you want to do it? And I said exactly what you just said actually. I was like, mm. I said the thing is, is I'm not a stand up comedian, so. I, I don't want to do that opening monologue. And I said, and I don't think it works. I said, because you've got three audiences. You've got the everybody sitting at, millions of people sitting at home through the lens. You've got the kids from the Brit school at the front screaming like maniacs. And then the rest of the room, you've got the board record execs who've seen it all before and aren't interested. I said, I think the only way you can really do it, well, the only way I could do it anyway, was can we create some kind of, spectacle and I was like it was the first year when the booze had come back to the Brits you know remember there was the one year where it all went never forget it where it all went away never forget it and then that same year the darkness were everywhere and it was like could we do something I said I've got this idea um, you know, the booze is back and rock and roll is back. Can I fly in on a bottle of Jack Daniels and like do something? <laughs> back to the Met Bar. Exactly. <laughs> and everybody went quiet. Nobody said nobody said a word. And then Hamish went, hmm. He said, um, he said, Well, I know you can't fly in because that uh that 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 they had to get a special permission. That permission went last week because Beyonce was getting on a car and flying in or whatever. Right. Beyonce's he said, done that. She's, he said, yeah. but how about... And he said, and I can't do Jack Daniels because that's too brand specific. Mm-hmm. He says, but how about if I lift you from the floor on a giant bottle of champagne with like a fire curtain, searchlights <laughs> and primal scream playing Get Your Rocks Off? I went, that's it, yes, yes, that's what I want to do. And so, and Hamish got it. He totally got it. And he was like, right, let's do it then. And it was brilliant. I, I remember I remember the Black Eyed Peas were playing and I remember walking to get on this champagne bottle. And I remember going, you know, you know, your theme music, dun, 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 dun. like it's that kind of, you know, it, it's so good. It's, it's in you, isn't it? Yeah. It's um, the world's heartbeat is your heartbeat at that particular moment in time, yeah. you know, and was, you, were yours, was yours live? The Brits, yeah. Yeah, okay. I did yeah. a couple live and a couple pre-recorded. But um, it's funny in that meeting, you described that meeting. And again, you know, this is no reflection on anybody in the meeting per se, but these meetings are so interesting. So somebody comes up with an idea because, you know, you have you have nothing to lose and, and you're the talent and you might take the job and you might not take the job. And you say, you come up with this, frankly, you know, Pretty, pretty off the wall idea, has to be said. <laughs> Literally off the ceiling idea. Totally, and it's like definitely six, off the floor. Totally, six right? days to go as well, you know. And everybody else in the meeting goes deathly quiet <laughs> because they don't want to be involved in saying <laughs> yes in case it doesn't work. So what they do mentally is they take one or two or three miles steps backwards away from the meeting. And then the only person with any guts... It's social distancing yeah. before social distancing. Then the only person with any guts um, who, who, who feels as confident in their, or happy in their own skin as, as the person with the crazy idea uh-huh. is the other probably most talented person in the room and they go 
yeah, that's a great idea. And then suddenly everybody comes back to the table because somebody else has made the decision. And if it, if it works, they were, they were part of it. And if, if, it, if it doesn't work, well, it's, well, we weren't quite sure about it. I mean, you know, <laughs> Hamish, Hamish stepped up to the plate for this one. And we were all, we were all thinking, we didn't say it at the time, but we were all thinking, not quite sure. Uh-huh. Uh, how many times does that happen? I mean, yeah. But, but, but on saying that, mm. when, you, when you are the person like, you know, he's now directing halftime at the Super Bowl. You know, like... He's got that thing about him where he he doesn't well, mind taking a risk. No, and, fearlessness. Yeah. And also, you know, if we're going to do it, let's go big or go home. Exactly. Um, you know, and if we go really big, we might have to stay home and never come out again. But that's not the point because we weren't big. <laughs> but the question remains, how did you get the gig oh, in the States? sorry, sorry, sorry. I've gone on a right old tangent there. Well, I? We're all with you. I've gone on a right old tangent. So um, <laughs> they were doing the dance show in the States already. There was They'd done the first season and there was a girl hosting who had come from a news background. Let's mention what the show is in case people... Can. Okay, so it's called So You Think You Can Dance and it's uh, it's like a version of, of Pop Idol but for dancers, essentially. Yeah. Um, and uh, she'd done the first season but couldn't do the next ones and so they were looking for somebody because it was also going to be live. And actually, weirdly, in the States, they don't have that many people that do live telly because of the time differences everywhere. Most things are are pre-recorded in the States. So uh, they, so Jeff Thacker was working uh, with Nigel Lithgow because it was Nigel Lithgow's, Nigel Lithgow and Simon Fuller's idea. Yeah, and Nigel, just people won't know this, but lots of people, Nigel, Nigel Lithgow was the original Simon Cowell and he was Nasty Nigel. Yes, and he was in charge of entertainment at ITV. Uh, And then, so then Simon Fuller and Nigel came up with the show idea for So You Think You Can Dance. Nigel knew me from back in the UK. Jeff Thacker was working for him. He was an executive producer on the show. And so they said to Mike Darnell, who was head of Fox at the time, who is completely bonkers but talking about go big or go home yeah. that he's he's literally that dude he 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 goes big or he goes home like I bet seriously. he's got a really nice home <laughs> <laughs> some homes are better to go to than others he's now in charge of warner brothers yeah, yeah. he's all he's all right that'd do it, he's, it he's all right yeah. um wow is he really yeah is he studio he's head? hanging out with the bunny oh, God. <laughs> So, uh, but he, but he's 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 brave and he's ballsy. You know what I mean. So, um, you know, he did Idol. He did things like Alien Autopsy. Like he did. He had some massive hits, some massive flops. As always, the, the same thing. Uh, and so they put me for. But essentially, Jeff Thacker said to Mike Darnell, who come in one day to see the show, he'd said. Uh, Mike Darnell was looking for a new uh, secretary or something and Jeff Thacker had got my press pack open on his desk and uh, Mike Darnell said, she she would do. And 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 Jeff said to him, um, that's Kat Deedy. She's been trying to get a meeting with you about coming to do this show, but you won't take a meeting. And he literally walked out of the office and picked up a random phone, you know, like, you know, like in those movies that you see. And he picked up a phone and went, okay, cancel my appointment tomorrow. I'm seeing Get Dealy tomorrow. And then put the phone down. And I think he was only 20 minutes late for the meeting, which is amazing for him. Normally keeps people waiting three hours or whatever. And uh, I went to see him and I got the job. Were you already in the States though? 
No, I wasn't in the States then. I'd gone over and I'd started to have meetings with right. people about stuff. Um, were you physically in the States then? No. Oh, yes, then. Then right. I was, yes. So you're available for the meeting the next exactly. day? Exactly, okay. yes. So then you get the gig. Yeah. Okay, and how was that in the early days? Was it a big hit straight out of the blocks? It it was, actually. It was it was a pretty big hit straight away. Um, it was never as big as American Idol, but it was it was a show that if you were into it, you absolutely loved it. And what it delivered was it delivered a great audience, the right demographic, the right demographic in terms of advertisers and also um, won Emmys and things. So for them, it, it was like a an all-round hit. Okay, now uh, talk to Rick Astley about this. Um, I've talked in the past um, to uh, Anne Robinson about this. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's being... Um, there's, there's achieving fame, whatever you want to call it, success on the telly, in the movies, in the music business, in Europe, mm -hmm. in Britain, and then there's achieving similar in the States. It's entirely different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, my thing was when I went there, I, I didn't, I didn't think about it too much, weirdly, and I never said, "Oh, I'm going to America." I'm going We're to break America. No, I never, I never said that. I just split up with my boyfriend at the time and I kind of wanted an adventure yeah. and I wanted to go and live somewhere else and I wanted to do something else and I wanted to drive on the other side of the road and like have an, <laughs> have an adventure, you know what I mean? That's yeah. what I wanted to do. And so to host a show that I loved already, you know, I went to see the show and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. What these kids can do is incredible. So alive as well. Well, and also it, it's so, it's such a unique show because nobody wants to be a dancer to be rich and famous. They just don't. Because if I said to you, name me 10 famous dancers, you could do it, but it would take you a second. Yeah. If I said, name me 10 famous singers, you could in a, in, a, in a heartbeat. So normally they're the people who are underpaid, overworked, they constantly have injuries. They're always the backup guys. They're rarely the people in the spotlight. So the only reason people actually want to be a dancer is because they cannot imagine their life not doing it and there's something lovely about that and about celebrating that and about celebrating people who've worked really damn hard you know I've seen kids dance on broken ankles and split feet and and like it's crazy what these people can do and I and I I really admire it, and there's something lovely about it. So so our show, it's about it's unashamedly a reality show, but it's about celebrating people who are supremely talented, supremely passionate, work really hard, and love what they do. So you just talked about it in the present tense there. So 16 seasons in pre-COVID, mm -hmm. and this would have been the 17th. So is it ongoing then? Are you carrying on? With we don't. We well, we actually don't know what's going to happen. We were in. We were in production for season 17 and then COVID happened. So we we don't know. Essentially, that we looked into ways of trying to do the show with all the precautions in place and because that's what's most important is protecting everybody's safety. But there's no way there's there's no way of producing the same show and having it be safe. There's just no way. They have to come, they have to audition, they have to dance together. It's just impossible. We can't even, because it's not like a cast of people where we can um, isolate them. We can't bubble them. So they've said to us, listen, we, we can't do it this season. Now, if they, 
it's the same as everything, isn't it? We were on season 17. All these things are cyclical. So, you know, we were probably coming to the end of it anyway. Um, but if they find something that, that gives them the same audience, same, you know, awards, same uh, demographic that they can produce for less money, they'll probably go with the other. Well, you say, you say that and you might be right, but how about this? Okay, mm. how about things stay confused and convoluted and content is harder to come by because broadcasters are running out of it and there's only certain kinds of content you can make under these kind of COVID uh, compliant conditions. Mm -hmm. And then when, when, how about when um, the gloves are off again and mm -hmm. we can do everything again? Yeah. If I was a TV exec, mm -hmm. you know, if I run a channel or a studio or, or a corporation, mm -hmm. I say, let's bring back some of the big hits straight away. Let's mm -hmm. just bring them right back right now mm -hmm. uh, because we know they work and people have missed them and they've all had a little break, which is probably what they needed. And everybody that worked on them will now be more grateful that's going to not saying you weren't by the way mm -hmm. that's going to come across on the screen you know better better you know if people haven't spoken french for a while and they're french yeah uh, better we start with french again then you know <laughs> yeah as opposed to starting yeah. with the greek and I, I, I think it could be the other way around maybe and they you know what they did that with american idol they took american idol off fox and then abc bought it and uh you know it was a real it was a real loss because they were paying, they were had to pay out so much money because obviously by the time you get to that kind of season, everybody is on a lot of money and of course they want great judges and um, and ABC turned it around really very quickly and everybody was saying, oh, it's back too soon, it's back too soon and actually it's delivering again. So maybe you're right, maybe. Well, we're, maybe. Well, we're going to find out. Yeah, exactly. That's for sure. Exactly. Now, um, I want to get you back to the UK uh, with your children but first of all I've got to get you married um, <laughs> so we need to get back to that um, but before I get you married um, uh. and I'm taking all credit for all of this of course <laughs> Um, I want to just about the you know because then you have your own because you're a big hitter in the states you're, you're five times Emmy nominated as host uh, for so you think you can dance uh, so then you get other offers and you get to step on other shows and you were the first non-US female co-host of, of um, Regis and Kathy yeah which was used to be Regis and Kelly didn't it no it was it the, I stepped in on Regis and Kelly right. it used to be Regis and Kathy right so for people who don't know and again yeah. this will be many people listening to this podcast in the UK at least um just as this the for when i used to live in la mm -hmm. our 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 days began that they, they were dictated by regis and kelly we had to watch <laughs> it um it's a, it's a mid-morning show you think well okay it's a bit it's probably a bit like you know rich and judy was or this morning mm -hmm. was or F phil and holly is no 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 it's like a late night chat show yeah it even looks like it's at night but it's live and it's in the morning uh -huh. and they are on fire oh and i love that the first 10 20 minutes they just talk about anything but with talk about chemistry gee uh, whiz it, and 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 they're just i mean they're just brilliant i mean i would love to bring that show here because it is that thing where they get everybody from samuel l jackson to whoever like it, they get everybody on that show and essentially what you do when you go to it is you you sit uh, uh, having your makeup done and the producer comes in, Gelman comes in, and he goes, okay, these are the big stories today. Which ones would you like to do? And you decide which ones you want to take and which ones your co-host wants to take. And then uh, you just you just go on air and you talk. And there is no... <laughs> There is no clock or count or anything. And someone just points at you when it's time to like 
wrap up to go to the commercial break. So you say, okay, coming up, we've got Chris Evans and Samuel L. Jackson and da da da, and then we'll see you after this break, yeah. and off you go. But there is no, there is no script. There's no like, and I would love to do a show like that here. I would love to do it so that you're not constant because the problem with having an auto cue and having a script is once you're into it, you're hooked on it. You can't you can't jump around because you've only got the bit of the screen that you can see. Mm. So what it means is, although it's like a safety net, it's this weird safety net where if you were tall, it's like a fast moving train. If you jump off, you can't get back on. Specifically, if there's two of you doing it, mm. if there's one and you've got a really great autocue person, they almost read your mind and they'll waffle and you'll it will all you'll see it going in front of you and it'll suddenly stop on the right thing. But if there's two of you, you can't you can't do that. So it's just a brilliant, and it's that they've got the big old idiot boards with the questions on, so you can jump around all over the place. You can go anywhere you want, do whatever you want to do, and it's kind of. It was just, it's just a fun show. It's almost like when you were hosting the one show a little bit, actually. It's, well, a, it's got, it's got similar. It's things. funny you should say that because the autocue was a nightmare. Uh, that, that, on that show, yeah. Because yeah. I'd never worked with autocue before because none oh, of my shows really? had autocue. Uh, so Big Breakfast didn't have autocue, TFI Friday didn't have autocue. Don't forget your toothbrush didn't have autocue. Yeah. You know, if we had to learn lines as opposed to have them on autocue, we learned them. Yeah. You know, same, and, same as us and on it, Saturday yeah, mornings. To be honest, it was probably from that. That's probably why we did it. Somebody told us they did it like this, so you do it like that. Yeah. And um, and the thing about it, you can get out, you can get out of autocue. You're absolutely right, but you can't get back into it. No. And that's the, that's the killer. No. But the, you know, for, again, for people who don't know, Regis and Kathy, Regis and Kelly, Regis and Cat. <laughs> uh, I think your name had to start with a kicking cat or a curly cat. <laughs> Did anybody ever host? Were there any other female hosts that weren't a cat, a phonetic cat? I, I bet that's why. No, actually, the... Carrie Anna Narb has done it. Exactly. <laughs> it's got to be a kicking cat or a curly Katie cat. Katie Lowe's has done it. You want to be Regis's female host, Depp, whatever? You better change your name because it's got to start with a cur. <laughs> but the fact that you got to do that show, mm. I mean, that's a, that's bigger than, if in my eyes, that's bigger than say you think you can dance to having your own big hit. Because that show, you know, it's 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 a bit, it's everybody watches that show. People are divided by late night, well, you know, are you NBC, are you ABC, yeah. or James, or, uh, yeah. or Jimmy Fallon, or whoever you yeah. are? But nobody's divided in no. the mornings. That is the show that the whole of Hollywood watches, and that's the important thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because Hollywood watches that show. They get every guest, oh, any guest they, they want. They all get, they all go on there because it's a not. It's nice. It's friendly. It's entertaining. It's good. It's great. It's good is what it is. Yeah, and it's live and the rhythm is there and it's just beautiful. So did you dep on that or did you host that? Uh, no, I depped on it. I've depped, but lots of times I've depped on it. Yeah. Um, even now with Ryan, Ryan hosts it now. Um, and uh, I've I've hosted with him too. He's he's a great host too, actually. He he does American Idol. Yeah, of course he does. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he what else is he, he's massive for something else as well, isn't he? No, no, he he did he did radio too. He came from a radio background That's... and still does radio. Kardashians. Yes, he created with them. Yeah, right, that, that did all right, didn't it? I think it did. It's okay. what I'm hearing. It's what I'm hearing. I think it, he bought Kevin Costner's mansion. I know that. <laughs> did you ever get to go on the Howard Stern show? No, I actually never did go on the Howard Stern show. No, I did all the I did. I did all the others: Jimmy Fallon, Kimmel, Corden, Tonight, Letterman. Uh, yeah, J- Jay Leno. Would you? you yes, I did Jay Leno. I was actually, uh, I was actually like, uh, I did some of his outside broadcasts for him as well. Jay Leno, he was good. 
Yeah, he, well, he still is. Isn't yeah, he? And Charming. Letterman's now doing these mega uh, one-hour interviews for Netflix, mm-hmm. isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you get to go to the White House? I did, yeah. We oh, come on! Yeah, we did. We went with um, the kids from the show and Michelle Obama came and danced with us, yeah. Wow. She, now, what a woman. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious, she's a... Fantastic. Have you read a she book? knew. No, I haven't yet. Actually, it's sitting on my nightstand. I've got a collection of books. I've got hers, Catelyn Moran, Dolly Alderton. They're all sitting there on my nightstand because I can only get through one page and then in the morning I forget what. Go I've audio. Read. Apparently, her, the audio. Oh, version. yeah, good idea. Go audio. Sorry, you were going to yeah. say about Michelle. Good idea. Uh, yeah, so she was doing a, a, a move campaign get to get kids moving and her two daughters loved So You Think You Can Dance. Like it was on in the, they'd been interviewed and it'd been on in the background at the White House and stuff. So we did a campaign with Ellen DeGeneres too um, to get everybody moving. So she, danced with our dancers so we were invited to the um easter egg hunt at the white house (laughs) (laughs) okay that's what you did what was it like it was so nice she just i I just fangirl over her the whole time like i just chatted and she's just brilliant and she knew every single one of those dancers names now that's that's pretty pretty impressive yeah uh, but she seems to be the real deal. You know, I think even blokes, are, we're allowed to fangirl. Yeah, I mean, I know we should fanboy, but I think we fangirl. I think you should. As far as Michelle's concerned. Yeah. Tell us about the Brit Pack uh, over in LA. Yeah. Uh, James is there now flying high. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Bacon was there for a while. Mm-hmm. Did, did, you, did you all get together? No, you know what? It's one of those weird things that everybody always thinks that we would. But, I mean, I... I I didn't really. You see them. You see people out on the circuit, which of course is lovely. Like, say, for instance, when the Emmys are due, then everybody has to go to the party and shake the hands and do the thing. And so then you see people, and it was lovely. But it was. It wasn't like everybody hangs out all the time. You know, I. It tended to be kid related. So if you had kids of the same age, so for instance, James has kids that of similar age to to my kids. So. I would hang out with Jules sometimes or, you know, it's Simon Fuller's wife has kids that are the same age as Milo. So it was always those kind of, it's more play dates, really. It's so funny how life changes. It is. <gasps> it's beautiful though, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. I I, I love being a mom. Yeah. I really enjoy, I think it's made me a much nicer person. Oh. I just think I've got more patience. I didn't have much patience before. <laughs> well, it's not about you tons. anymore. No. It's I've not about tons. you anymore. And I think that's what a lot of people fear. You know, I've got a few friends who are about to have their first child. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can see the dread. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not sort of cynical dread, but um, you, you want to go, I do got, I got to say, it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Not only it's going to be fine, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And a lot of the fears, in fact, all the fears you have, don't even manifest. They don't, they don't, no. because you're so overwhelmed and hopefully, you know, in your own sort of magical bubble mm-hmm. that whatever you're worried about, which was, I suppose, yourself in the end, well, you, you sort of move out anyway. You're no longer, you, you know, you're relevant and you've got to keep yourself together so you can keep everything, everything else together. But there's that great relief when somebody, somebody somewhere is suddenly and properly forever will always be more important to you than you are. Yeah, 100%. And I think the I think the 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 most tricky thing was almost letting go a bit of the life before because it it will never be the same again. It will be different. But but I re- I remember my thing was yours are four and two, aren't they? Yeah, I'm right in the eye of the storm, my friend. Um it, it's it's Cat, there are other storms. <laughs> and they're all yeah. and they're all coming your way. 
stately. I've got spots and grunting and all kinds of things heading my direction. Um, but it's that, <laughs> but it's that thing of um, when I when I first had Milo, it, I I wanted to get back to back to life as quickly as possible and all those kind of things. And then when I finally realised, oh no, I I actually don't have to do that. I can go to a new version of it. It was kind of lovely. There's there's a it doesn't matter, you know, like, it doesn't matter. Things don't matter that used to matter pr- profusely, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what about, um, were you a Hollywood Hills family? Were you a Santa Barbara? Whereabouts were you based? We were, we were Beverly Hills, but kind of upper hill. So we were uh, just behind the, Bev- six minutes to the Beverly Hills Hotel, but you felt as though you were in the middle of nowhere. Where we were, you, you kind of looked right over the canyon and you saw right down to the ocean. It felt like it's like a little treetop house, our house was. And um, the sun sets right and the whole house glows pink. Yeah. And it's pretty. And it's just got a big table and there's outside space and trees. And I built the house around a tree. The builder was like, can we just knock that? that, that no. That? I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. And it's the most beautiful. It's got a great big table underneath it. And right about lunchtime when you're all sitting down and drinking rosé and having a lovely time, all the leaves kind of block the midday sun and it's all dapperly beautiful light. Okay. And now everyone's screaming at whatever, however they're listening uh, to this. And they're, they're, they're literally, they are howling, why did you come back? Why did, and, you know, um, but we still haven't got you married, so we're going to get you married. <laughs> but I've got to get Kat Dealey married. Um, what a story. I, do what, you know the foot? Of course yeah. I do. I know the story. It's yeah. a great story. It's a really good story. It's so romantic. I, I might it cry. It's very Richard Curtis. It is, almost in a saccharine type of way. But it wasn't that. It was, it was how ballsy it was. Like there are lots of men who don't do that anymore, and it was that thing of sweeping you off your feet. It, it, it was very impressive. Yeah, she might not say yes, but she'll never forget it. That kind of thing. <laughs> All right. So you and Paddy meet properly, two thousand two ish, Fame Academy. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and then something happened somewhere. Some seed was sown. So it was always a thing. It was so weird because we'd always have a thing, but either he'd got a girlfriend or I'd got a boyfriend or it was, but there was always like a, I don't know. Anyway, it, we'd it always. something in the there air. There was something in the air. And um, we'd, we'd stay in touch and he would always, you know, on my birthday or anything, how you do, send me a text, call me, whatever. And I would do the same to him. And then uh, he phoned me on my birthday um and said happy birthday and he was in a very small pub at the end of the road in Ireland and it was probably about two o'clock in the morning so they'd had a lock-in um and uh he said oh happy birthday blah blah blah, blah. and I was like oh yeah great he said what are you doing for your birthday I said well we actually I'm going with a few friends we're going to go to the Beverly Hills Hotel go to the Polo Lounge um, have a McCarthy salad and we're going to um, have brunch. That's what we're going to do. I said, it's a shame you're not here, otherwise you could come. And he said, uh, well, I'll see. I said, what time are you doing it? And I said, about two o'clock. He said, right, I'll see you there. And I went, yeah, yeah, you will. Beer in, brain out. Do you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Charlie Big Bananas. Uh, and he went home from the pub and set an alarm to get up at four o'clock in the morning, booked a flight, back to Heathrow, then got on the first flight 
to LA. And then because the time difference works in the favour, um, went with hand luggage, got out the plane, got jumped into a cab, Beverly Hills Hotel, please, told the cab driver. The cab driver said, do you want me to wait? <laughs> it's like, no, um, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then he dropped his bag at the concierge in, at the Beverly Hills Hotel and walked in about three o'clock-ish in the afternoon. Didn't go home for about 10 days. <laughs> well, has never been home since. I mean, what an entrance. But what happened next? How, how does he follow? How does he back that, that up in the next two, three, four hours? He just, he sat down. He had, yeah. We had lunch with everybody, charmed everybody. Yes, he does. Everybody was laughing. I think he, I think he might have even got the bill as well. I mean, like as a final like punctuation. And now the bill. <laughs> but like... But like went off and snuck off and did it. That was it. And then it was just, it was just so, it was so brave and so ballsy. And so like there's something so attractive about that. Okay. So that's a very high bar to begin a relationship with. So for example, uh -huh. yeah, where does that leave a bloke in the future? What has he done for your eighth anniversary today? Oh no, it was yesterday. Yesterday. We went to uh, Nobu last night yes, for... I thought you were going to say Mars. No, 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 no. We went to Nobu last night for an early bird grandma and granddad special at, I think, six o'clock or something, because I can't stay awake much no, longer. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so, we, so the very fact I got out and put mascara on is in itself a huge... But, yeah, no, he's, he's pretty good. Like, for my 40th, he flew everybody over and surprised me at Nobu Malibu. Like, mum, dad, brother walked in, yeah. cried, dropped to my knees and cried. Like, he's pretty good. Oh, of course. He's, just, he's a top man. Paddy's a top man. Top. He's all right. If you like that type no, of thing, he's, he's all right. He's great. And he's got such depth to him, as you know better than anybody else. Wow. And so you're married six months later? Mm, not far after. So, uh, two, yeah, yeah, yeah. To 2012, <laughs> we got married. So he stayed for 10 days. So then he went back home. When did he ask you to marry him, if you don't mind telling me this story? Uh, how, how did he do that? He... <laughs> See, I would have just thrown it in there with the bill. And now the bill. <laughs> but by the way, we are getting married, aren't we? Bring on the elephants, the marching band and the dancing girls. Yes. May I present to the ring? Uh, no, so it was actually very funny. He... Uh, the one day he got up really, really my favourite thing to do is, um, well, before children, was uh, Sundays, uh, breakfast in bed, all the newspapers. Love it. Could stay drinking endless cups of coffee. Love it. So uh, he woke up really, and I normally always wake up the earliest because I'm, I'm just an early bird. So um, he woke up really early one morning and... Um, <laughs> And I could hear him pottering about downstairs. I was like, "Do you want? Do you want some? Do you want some? Do you want some help?" Anyway, he got like all the newspapers, everything. He he was making breakfast, like champagne and all the rest of it. And um, he was he knew he had to work fast. He'd laid everything out the night before because he knew he wouldn't. Ha he'd have the smallest window of time before I actually got because I'm awake anyway, right? So he's got this tiniest window. So he's moving really fast. Anyway, I'm like, I'm coming down. <laughs> he's coming up the stairs. I'm not getting out of it. And he trips. We've got, a, we've got a stair in our old house. We've got a stair into the bedroom. He trips. 
there's champagne goes everywhere everything goes and that was how he I just laughed and laughed and laughed and then he asked me what happened in between you know there being something in the air Mm -hmm. and that night when he had the lock-in in his pub in Ireland what what Drove, what drove him to had he had he been keeping it a secret even from himself for so long? Did you have any idea that he felt so strongly towards you still? No, I didn't know he felt that strongly. Definitely not. I knew there was always something there, always, um, but I didn't know he felt that strongly. Uh, you know what? I think loads of it is right place, right time as well. You know, he he was. He was probably, he wouldn't mind me saying this, a bit of a maniac when he was younger. Do you know what I mean? And I think he'd reached a point where he he wasn't. So, you know, it it, it had changed. He'd evolved as yeah. a person. And I think I had too. Um, you know, sometimes you sometimes you have to go out with the people that are wrong for you to realise what's right for you. Yeah. Um, so it's like trying to figure out who you are. Yes. It's easy to figure out who you're not and then what you're left with is who you are. Yes, exactly. And, and... And once you figure it out, you get it pretty quickly, actually. And you know what feels right because you know how you don't want to feel anymore and you know what you do want to feel. And you look for somebody who has the same kind of values as you and what you think is important. Um, and he makes me laugh. And, you know, that's that's it. He's really. a fantastic human being. Congratulations to both of you. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. The only one time, though, we did once get on a BA plane, and you know they do those um, the safety videos. I, we got on with Milo. We hadn't had James yet. And, um, the, you know, there's all the different cameos of people appearing. And there was one, we sat on the plane for two hours, and everybody had read all their magazines and done everything else. Milo was on the plane with us, and he saw Gordon Ramsay come up on the thing. And he goes, <laughs> Dada! The whole plane. Around and looks at me. I'm like, he knows something I don't know. Like, he, this is not, yeah. So that's my that's my Gordon Ramsay story. <laughs> did you hang out with him? Yes, I did go on the F word. <laughs> right. He's a very big Brit over there, isn't he? Oh God, he's huge. Yeah, he's yeah. Really bigger. Yeah, no. Not really. No, he's very big. So. No. Um. So, you, so you can have children now because you're married. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, well done. Thank you very much. Uh, you have two, four and two. Now, mm-hmm. if you carry on doing the maths. Uh-huh. What, you know, if this was on your maths paper, uh-huh. uh, what comes after four, two, <laughs> zero? Okay, but then uh, if four becomes six and six becomes four, you need another two, a new two. <laughs> I know you didn't expect these kind of questions, Kat, but what do we think? You asked me the same question when I when you came into that. I said, Look, I have five children and two grandchildren. I couldn't believe so that. So you're playing catch-up. That one I'm really shocked okay. at. How close might you get to to Another to one. Yeah. Uh... I think if we were younger, I think, yeah, I think that would be a thing. But I think that uh, now, probably not. And and to be honest, I've always been kind of okay. I'm fine with having two boys, you know. But I do every so often if we're having a play date and there's a little girl comes over and I have a munch. It's There's definitely, you know... Be still my achy heart right. a little bit, but um, but uh, but I don't I don't think so. I'm we're we're knocking on as it is. He's gonna be he's gonna be fifty in January. Oh, what's he doing for that? I don't know yet because because it's all weird. Yeah, what at the what moment, can we do it? for that? Yeah, it's all weird at the moment. I don't know. Um, and then I'm gonna be forty four next month. So I think I think we're done, but not because I, we don't love it. Let's get you back here now. Okay, so you are back, back, back. And um, you were thinking about coming back and sometimes you need 
a sign mm-hmm. that maybe maybe the decision you're 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 thinking about making could be could be the right one. Sometimes you need a, a, a nudge, a push, mm-hmm. or a shove, don't you? So, mm-hmm. so just tell us about your experience to do with that. Yeah. Um, so we had there was a moment where uh, Paddy and Milo were stuck in a shopping mall in LA. Um, there was what they thought was a live shooter going through the Westfield Century City shopping mall. Um, I didn't know where they were. Uh, Paddy had gone to pick Milo up from school and he'd taken him for a burger um, on the way home for his lunch. And uh, they weren't back and I couldn't understand where they were and I couldn't understand why he hadn't phoned, but they were they were, they were were running late. Um, couldn't get through to his phone. He then finally calls me and says, look, there's been an incident at Westfield. We were in the Shake Shack. Uh, We can't get back to our car. We've got to go down the fire escape. Um, Can you come and pick us up? And so I was like, yeah, okay, is everything all right? Yes, they come and pick me up. So I went and drove down there. And as I drove, there was like helicopters and news vans and police cars and SWAT squads and and um guys in full armor with gun like so I pull up at the I managed to get to a junction and um I pick them up and then he tells me there was they basically they've been they've been having lunch and um they thought there was a live shooter. Everybody got pushed into the kitchen and into the toilets. Everywhere was locked down. They had to stay behind there. People were screaming. Um, and they sent in the squad to 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 check. And then they finally got them out and they went uh, down the fire escape. It it wasn't. It was a suspect. It it wasn't. It wasn't anything. And they weren't hurt. They were absolutely fine. And in actual fact, Milo got to watch Peppa Pig on Paddy's phone. So he thought all his Christmases had come at once because he never really gets it. So he was fine. But there was definitely a moment where it was very scary. And we had and we had a similar thing when we were looking at schools. You'd have to walk around a school and they'd be like, okay, here's what happens if a live shooter comes into the school. You, we take the kids here and we put them there and this is the protocol and this is what happens. And I was just, it was just a bit scary, really. But you were already thinking about coming back anyway. Yeah, because we, we'd already thought about it because... Um, we want the boys to know their family. We, we're, re- we're all really close to our family. You know, Paddy's close to his family. I'm close to my family. Um, we've got grandparents. We wanted them to, you know, it's such a special... T- I remember my grandparents and I remember them so fondly. Um, and, I, and I want them to know that them. And uh, you've only got a, such a small window where that's possible. Um it didn't, and I can always fly. I can fly back if I want to go and fly back to work. I can go and fly back. You know, there'll be certain jobs that I couldn't do, or certain jobs that I could do. But to be honest, I don't. I, I don't mind that at all. I, it's not. It's not that important anymore. I'm. I'm not as ambitious as I think I once was. And there are, as we said before, there are other things that I hold very important, and um, that's one of them. And it, I'd rather come here and then have that really 
So you've done a reverse Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. <laughs> so you've actually come back. Yeah. And, and you, you, actually, you, you, know, you had to rent a flat because you had to get back for a school oh, term yeah. and oh, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Even, and... even, even worse, they, so, so the head teacher, Milo, goes to a lovely little school. It's beautiful. And she said, listen, if you can get back by the January... He won't be the first one starting on his own like he would be in the September. This was this was on Halloween. This was October the 31st. So the flat that we managed to I flew back, flew the dog back with me as well. Because I was like, we can't, we can't get two kids and a dog back as well. So I flew the dog back with me. Dog went to live with my brother. I found a flat, but flat wasn't available till January. So essentially what we did is we moved. All of us, including the dog, moved into my brother's three-bedroom flat (laughs) (laughs) in Primrose Hill. The neighbours think. I mean, (laughs) uh, the very fact that we're still all talking to each other and still the best of friends absolutely means we made the right decision. By the way, great place to land back in Primrose Hill. Oh, it's nice. Welcome with open arms. Oh, it's lovely. People won't know. Most people won't know, but it's a very special place. You know, it's so special, they reckon. Why? Because it has that train track around it. And so so that means, so you have the train track around the north side and then you have um, Regent's Park on the south Mm -hmm. side. And so it was never able to spread. Oh, and they, re- they reckon yeah, yeah. that's why the energy stayed in it. Oh, okay. And you get that feeling. You get it's a little enclave. It's a little spo- special sort of idyll when you get there. It's lovely, and it's perfect for the kids because you've got you've got the hill, you've got the playground, you've got the zoo, you've then got Regent's Park. They've just done a beautiful new playground there as oh, well. I love so Primrose Hill. It's really cute. So, so, um, so do you have have you moved out of your brothers now? Is he all right? <laughs> He's, has he got his home back? He has. He's talking. He's talking to me. It's all okay. It's fine. So yeah, we're renting a place right now. We're selling the other place. We, touch wood. Hang on. Hang it's on, under escrow. Okay. Hang on. Back the truck up <laughs> briefly. And I promise. I told you. I know. This it's because it's, it's such a big story. Yeah, I know. It's beautiful. Um, because we were all thinking. Please, please tell us. Please tell us you didn't sell the house around the tree. <laughs> just keep it anyway. Just in case. <laughs> I mean, because because you might go back, you know. You say you say you probably, you will go back. You go back to work. You you might go back back there to retire one day. Who knows what's going to happen to Los Angeles and yourselves, mm-hmm. um, especially when family changes and things. You know, mm-hmm. the story moves on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did you consider keeping the house and renting it out? Or uh, it's it's too it's too much house. Essentially, right. it's like the garden and and even things things here that you don't consider here like earthquake insurance and things you know i know that sounds funny no, but it, it's not funny when it's like it's a big old whopping amount of insurance every like it's crazy i forgot about we had earthquake insurance and fire a fire and, and then you have we had the rat catcher Oh yeah, um, yeah. Twice, termites twice a week. Yeah, termites. Trump. Coy- Trump might get in again. <laughs> Coyotes in the garden. Coyotes. Yeah, I mean Trump. Will, Trump. Trump may well get in. And by the way, people might be listening to this, and he already has got in, or he's not getting because it mm. might be post November. But he'll ne- he'll never get into California. Mm-mm. You're not in no. Trump land when you're in California. No, you're in a, you're in a country that a population of a separate country, population of 20 million people live in California, fourth biggest economy on the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, independently. Yeah, I mean, East Coast and West Coast, he'll he'll never really get a hold of. But it, I don't know about the, the the he might he might he might do it again. Well, they say the bigger the city, the more Democrat they usually end up being. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Listen, it's just that thing where... Here's, here's an idea. Let's not end an amazing conversation <laughs> talking about Donald fucking Trump. Can we not? Yes. <laughs> I agree. Agree. All right, let's... Um, I, I mean, we're sort of done, I suppose. Um, all that's, you know, touch wood, God bless. Uh, I hope this happens for you. Um, uh, bring on the sunshine. Bring oh. on the sunshine. Uh, bring on the rainbows. You know, um, we're going through it together, what we're going through together. And we've got to do as much as we can for each other. But um, bring on this SMTV reunion. Um, it's going to happen around Christmas, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and anything else we could do with you on telly a lot more than you are now. Yeah, yeah we're, 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 I'm doing a pilot. Can't talk about it at all, but I'm doing well, a pilot. Well, you, you just began talking about it. So you've already broken your contract. So you might as well tell us the whole thing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> By the no. way, I wouldn't... I w- you talk about Regis and Kathy and Regis and Kat Kelly. and Regis and Kelly and Regis and who was the other ones? Katie and Carrie Ann and Arbor. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy looking forward to, to Paddy and Kat on ITV in the morning. That, that Do you think we could do that? Of course you could do it. No, but would we get all like weird and bickery on there? Well, it worked for Richard and Judy. Yeah, that's true. Didn't it? That's true. And it really works for Eamon and um, uh, Ruth. Yeah, no, that's true. But I'd love to, I'd, if if we were going to do it, I'd love to do something that was more in the Kelly and Ryan, Kelly and Regis type of vein where it is a lot more free-flowing and a bit more anarchic. I think. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um Kat, thanks for your time. You're welcome. Um, Kat, Kat was the gap between her last interview on on my breakfast show and this podcast was bridged by her publishers. Um, he said, please, can you mention a book? And I'm happy to do that again, but you can't buy it because it's sold out in the UK. <laughs> the Joy in You by Kat Dealey. And uh, it's about to go to India and Australia and uh, America because you're not only known in Northern America now in the United States, but you are, you are, because of this dance show, known all over the world. Have you been, have you done promo in the rest of the world? I've been doing some promo for the book in the rest of the world, but it, it, also the show goes out weirdly. Some some countries take it illegally. Like Paddy and I, before we had the kids, we went on a, a big trip to India. I've always really wanted to go to India. So we did like the Golden Triangle in India and we went to, uh, we went to see the Taj Mahal and I got mobbed by small small Indian children, which was I was completely not expecting at all. But it was it was the most bizarre because I didn't know that I had no idea. I just record the show in the states, and he gets so in the Taj Mahal. There was a bit of a there was a bit of a rumpus. What about Australia, uh, Australia, yeah, it goes out in Australia. You've been there, You'd... yeah, because my sister in law is Australian. So yeah, I've been there, and people have said hello. And also, comedy's massive. UK comedy's massive in Australia. So it's Paddy is Paddy triumphed over there. I don't think I don't think he's done I don't think he's done much over there, no. I don't think he has anyway. I don't know. He's taken a step back because, you know, Paddy's a, a brilliant, brilliant comedian. You know, mm-hmm. he once took me through how he comes up with jokes and he does these mind maps with uh, brain farts and things like that. Yeah. Uh, does he Does he still write things down at home? And... He does. And I think he will. Do, I think he'll do another stand-up show again. I, I went to see, before we had the children, he did uh, one at the arena in Belfast. And it was the most terrifying moment of my life I was really frightened for him because it's not like it's not like um you being a member of the Rolling Stones and you play, trying your new material and if it doesn't work you can go back to satisfaction and like give it give it some welly and also it's just one person and a mic and people have paid money and they sit there and they go okay make me laugh I know. 
I can't I think I don't get it of at all. anything more terrifying. So I, I had to sit on the lighting desk with the lighting guy because I was like, I don't want to be in a, in a small booth chatting away to people and family. Like, just take me off on my yeah, own. But I bet he nailed it, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Of course he did. he did. Have you ever heard Kevin Hart's prep for a stand-up tour? No, what is it? Go on, tell so me. Kevin Hart, so he's got to get an hour. So he gets a, a, a fresh hour every two years. Mm-hmm. And so he starts by writing some jokes and then he tries them out and his family at home and then he goes to a bar and he performs his new set in a bar and then if that goes well, he says he hears the laughter. How How is the laughter coming back to me? And then he takes it to a theatre mm-hmm. and if the laughter doesn't land right as it did in the bar, he takes it back to the bar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he changes things that didn't work and then mm-hmm. he takes it back to the theatre. Then once the theatre show works, and we're talking about 30 shows, by the yeah, way, and this yeah. isn't his tour, this is him figuring things out. Uh-huh. And of course, Kevin Hart shows sell out no matter what, uh-huh. no matter what he's up to because uh-huh. he's a genius. Yeah. Then he takes them to arenas, and then if the laughter doesn't land again, he takes them back to the theatres. And then once once everything works in the arena, it's got to be an hour. Then he'll take it to more arenas and maybe stadiums. And it takes it. He says it takes him eighteen months to get a new hour. Mm -hmm. Yes. People don't realise. No. And also, it's that thing that that he then does, which is like the spontaneity of it, that he makes it look as though it was just. But I think that's the same as hosting shows too I think you you do all your prep before you know where everything is you know where you've got to land your marks you know all of that so that you know I I place out my auto cue and all that kind of stuff so I know that when I come to do it I can just let it go yeah and actually but it's all about the prep before I, I think anybody who does anything good no matter what it is you know, it's all about the prep. Well, finally, I, even I've realised that. Yeah. You know, load the bases and it's a lot easier to win the game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. What about radio? You? Uh, I did Capital, actually, for a bit. With, no, I know. Um, what about now? Yeah, possibly. My only thing is, though, is it's quite difficult because I, I use my face quite a lot and sometimes people can't tell when I'm not really being... <laughs> but when you see me, you know I'm not being serious. But when... when that's the, that's my only thing. And I like... I enjoyed it. I did it before with um, Edith, with the Edith Bowman and I like having someone else to chat to. You too. were mates forever. You still... Yeah, of course. You were bezies, weren't you? Yeah, we you still are. inseparable. Still are. Wow. Still are. There's, a, there's like a handful of people, isn't there, that you're like, yeah. you know... And I think that whenever you do anything, you kind of say, well, what did you think of that? And you kind of trust. I think it's so easy to get lost in all the noise of everything right now. And, you know, everybody frames things as an individual and there there are a handful of people I really trust and I trust their opinion and they'll tell me if I've been great and they'll sure as hell tell me if I'm rubbish. Well, they must be good mates because you're in a very good place. (laughs) You really are. I feel as though, yeah. And I love being back home. Well, welcome back. Thanks. Cat Thank you. Thank you. What a story Cat Dealey has. I mean, what a story, you know? She was massive. She is massive in America. She's massive all over the world because So You Think You Can Dance has been broadcast everywhere. You know, even when it shouldn't have been because people have downloaded the joy illegally. It was so joyous, they were prepared to go to jail to watch it. Unbelievable. Not unlike some of the products available from M&S Plant Kitchen. Plant Kitchen! Once again, big shout out to Plant Kitchen Vegan Coleslaw. Plant Kitchen Coleslaw is the first ever vegan coleslaw to hit supermarket shelves in the UK. <gasps> yes, you heard that correctly. The first ever vegan coleslaw to hit supermarket shelves in the UK. What's wrong with you other supermarkets? Come on, it can't be that difficult. And by the way, it's absolutely gorgeous. 
Even the kids like it. And in the kid rule book, it says kids must not like coleslaw. Well, they love this coleslaw. £1.75. It doesn't get any better. And if it does, I don't want it. Thank you, Plant Kitchen. Please rate and subscribe both the coleslaw and the podcast. Goodbye.